All Heart with Paul Cardall goes beyond the typical interview podcast to dive deep into life's biggest issues. Born with a congenital heart defect, a two-time survivor of endocarditis, and a heart transplant recipient, Paul has a unique perspective that facilitates powerful, educational, and engaging conversations about overcoming obstacles and making the impossible possible. Hello, this is Paul Cardall. Welcome to All Heart. On this episode, you're going to receive an inside look at the multifaceted world of music distribution and how it can impact an independent artist's career. My guest, who is my dear friend, will share with us his experience in the music industry and how the industry is adapting to the global pandemic. I first met Randall Foster in the offices of Ole Media Group in Nashville, which is now Anthem Entertainment Group. Randall was the head of their creative sync and licensing, where his role was pretty much to place music of all kinds in all forms of media from TV to film. And I was in those offices because his team was in the process of acquiring Stone Angel Music's catalog. This is the record label that I started in 1999. Randall had worked for Naxos, one of the most respected classical music labels that I knew about. And because he had experience working with the Tabernacle Choir, which was also from Salt Lake City, we knew many of the same people in the music scene in Utah, and so we connected immediately. It was his wisdom and insight into that genre of music that I am part of and the Utah culture where I built my record label that gave me the confidence to go ahead and do the deal with Ole, which is now Anthem. Unfortunately for me and for Ole, and a big win though for Randall is he was offered an opportunity to become the vice president of symphonic distribution where he is now not only the vice president but he's the general manager of the nashville office and growing this wonderful distribution company uh, one of the uh, artists that they distribute is marshmallow and randall says that symphonic is a true 21st century music company and in his role he is always looking for fantastic independent recording artists and labels that really want a team in their corner. Symphonic can be that team, soup to nuts, as he says. In addition to his work life, when Randall's not waxing poetic on the business of music as a guest lecturer worldwide, his time is spent chasing his twin nine-year-old girls around the hills of Tennessee. And so far, he says he's managed a great run working in the music industry, but his girls are by far his greatest masterpiece. It is a true honor to have this gentleman with us. I know you will enjoy learning from him. This is Randall Foster. Thanks so much, Paul. I, uh, I feel like I need to pay you to follow me around and introduce me whenever I walk into <laughs> I know how to deliver a good obituary, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that what this is? <laughs> no, no, no. You, how are you, well, depends. This is, this is how random pre-COVID video. Right. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm feeling okay. It's, uh, this is a really interesting time we're living in. When you go to the Symphonic website, which is symphonicdistribution.com, 
there is a wonderful page there. It's the support music. It talks about helping independent musicians. Do you guys mainly just focus on independent musicians or do you work with artists that are part of record labels? We are, we are fiercely independent. Um, you know, my founder and CEO kind of founded this company 14 years ago in the face of a world that was dominated by major record labels and major distributors. And, um, you know, in a scenario where he, as an artist, didn't feel like he was treated well in the distribution community. So the whole ethos of where we come from is, is, is incredibly independent. Um, you know, the vast majority of our clients, we, we kind of were split between fantastic independent record labels that we work with, um, and then direct artist deals and direct independent artists. Um, you know, we have a number of artists that had been major label artists that had rolled out of their deal and had decided to take control of their own destiny. Working with them, we've got a number of young up and coming artists we work with. Um, you know, we've contributed to to some pretty big careers down the road, and 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 uh, you know, we, some early, some early early artists we've worked with. You know, we we worked with Bad Bunny and and in his label before they were acquired by one of the majors, and and we assisted in that transition. Um, you know, the the greatest definition of our success is someone getting so wildly successful that they can't use us anymore. It's kind of self-defeating, but at the same time, um, it stays core to the mission here, which is, you know, to service independent artists in a fair and honest and uh, transparent way. I want to back up for those that are unfamiliar with how the music business works as a recording artist. The minute I have an album, I've got to get that into your hands. And the way I do that is, I either have a record label who invests, which is, you know, a record label is kind of like a bank. They invest in me and they will take care of the marketing. They will secure the distribution in order to get your album into Spotify, into Pandora, into Apple Music. And for those that are still buying CDs or cassettes, get them out into the stores. And so early on when I was just, you know, small potatoes, just doing everything out of my garage, playing in the mall, in order for me to actually get distribution, I had to prove that I could even sell something. So I relied heavily on kind of doing everything at shows, wherever you saw me at like a, a media play, I'd go in on and, and give stuff to the stores on consignment until I had proven that I could sell. And then I got some distribution. But back then, back then, this was like 25 years ago, there were very few distributors that were willing to take on independent music and at the time it was cd baby that i went with and and now you have all these other alternatives and the thing i like about symphonic is that you guys are very personal with your artists an artist is not just another number just just another album that you throw into into the mix you guys really are aware of the products you have and you you, you source them out, but then as you were mentioning, the way once your music is out there on Pandora, Spotify, he, the goal for artists is to get on playlist, which is like the new radio. If you can get on a playlist, you're more likely to get heard. And so this is something that's symphonic that you guys are, are, are part of. You, you, you know, you get the music out there and then you try to, you know, uh, curate is the right word you curate the music into a playlist you know obviously artists are are losing money from not touring um my numbers are up ironically during this crisis and yet 
it's not ironic because most people turn to my music when there is a crisis, when there is gonna, a problem. I was going to say, challenge. you make peaceful piano music that relaxes people. So, I mean, it is, it's no surprise to me in the least that your numbers are up. That, that, that actually doesn't come as a surprise at all because, you know, music right now, we need more than ever. What kind of music would you say is down during this time? Nielsen put out this great report on the music industry and what's out there it is on what's up, what's down, you know, what, the, what it was finding is that the industry was down um, almost 9% as a whole in streams, but that as a whole, the video stream side of the business was up 13% or so. Um, so the question I have and the question we all, you know, the answer will come in about three months when everyone has reported and we can go back and, and, and go through the numbers is, is will the video offset the audio losses or the perceived audio losses? Um, you know, children's music appears to be up um, pretty substantially. That right. makes everyone's, sense. Everyone's home. home. You know, you entertain um, them. classical music appears to be up just a bit um country music is up a little bit you know the the real the the areas that are down are are the real drive time radio popular genres the stuff you're going to hear out of a bar or club um you know are all are all lower reporting people don't feel like partying too much right? i think they got the partying out of their system maybe and now yeah. it's just frustration. And so they're looking for alternative music to help them just deal, deal well, with life. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, the truth is when I'm sitting at home and I'm drinking my coffee and, you know, pounding emails out on the couch, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to want to go listen to the Ying Yang twins. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I want to listen to things that, you know, that, man, I just dated myself with that comment bad, didn't I? Uh, I want to listen to stuff that that's pleasant to my ears. And so, you know, you know, you know, kids listening, you know, on their Alexas are largely driving the children's music piece of this. Um, you know, country music is, is I think the truest form of American songwriting and, and, and in its, in its best form is, is one of the most fantastic musics to listen to. Um, you know, it's best form, by the way, does not include 808s and uh, drum machines. Right. Um, on, on a, you know, what's interesting is, and on a side <laughs> note, what, what I've been really enjoying during this, as far as music during this pandemic, is I've gone back and I've downloaded every Chris Christopherson record. Oh, yeah. And it's mind blowing because I didn't, I knew he was a great songwriter, but I didn't understand the depth. And when I listen to some of these older records, it's almost like why are country artists not digging back into that stuff and bringing it forward? Because there's so many great songs. Um, so, anyways, that's, that's my a, Chris that's a whole other. That's a whole nother podcast, Paul. You, I, I, I know, I know. I get distracted, but you start talking music. I'm like, let's go over here because. But so, uh, as, back to distribution. So, well, you know, I was going to say, you know, the things I'm consuming, you know, I've listened to an awful lot of John Prine in the last week, week and a half. You know, we, we lost a legend in John due to COVID-19. And um, I've, I've always loved his music and, and his, his record he came out with a couple of summers ago that won the Grammy is one of my 
maybe all-time favorite records. Um, but I've spent a lot of time with his music, and his music definitely falls into the categories here that are up. Um, you know, uh, video streaming, again, is, is as we see it kind of across the board. And then once you get into the pop categories, video streaming is up as well. You know, I, the question is, the big question for distributors and for all of us that are on this food chain of, of, of streaming audio and video is where do the subscribership sit? You know, how many people have canceled their Spotify premium because they lost their job? Um, these are the items, you know, that are going to affect what the, what the ultimate financial stability of, of, uh, of the industry is in this lane. We already know touring is shut down. You know, there's, there's other lanes that we already, you know, you can, it's easy to see what the stability is. Um, I, you know, I am cautiously optimistic that we're going to get through this and that, you know, the online revenues for our artists are going to be some of the, you know, some of the things that carry them through this. And uh, that's my hope and my goal. I'm doing, I'm doing, and my team is doing everything we can to promote and to push every release we've got, because right now we realize that's, that's all a lot of these folks have. Let me give you an example. Say that I rely on my touring, but I'm in a contract with a label and they already gave me my advance. And so no money is flowing because I use that advance to pay for my record and supplement some of my income. But the advance, uh, so, and I've got kids to feed. What does an artist do when they're in this situation and they can't go get a job at Home Depot? They can't go be a bartender or a waiter. What, is, what, are, what are artists that you know of doing where can they go that's a tough question man um there's a lot of artists that i think are trying to answer that currently um you know obviously you know the federal package um that was passed by congress you know there were availabilities in that to 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 artists if they applied and went through the motions that they had to go through um to get the grant money um, you know, I know that the entertainment banking community is, is always been very supportive of our creators here in Nashville. And honestly, one of the first phone calls I would make would be to my banker at my respective entertainment bank, um, to ask what they think is available. You know, I know music cares has done a number of things. I know that, you know, you know, it seems like live streams now are a dime a dozen. Um, you know, live streams, live stream concerts used to be an anomaly. They used to be the, um, you know, the, the odd, the odd duck out. And it's at any given point now, you know, Music Row magazine has issued a live stream calendar. You can actually check, check it out and see what time of day, every day of the week, your favorite mu country music artists are live streaming and they're hustling. Let me ask you this. With all of these live streaming concerts of our, some of our favorite artists, like we're seeing Chris Martin from Coldplay in his pajamas in his house. We're seeing, you know, Keith Urban in his house, in walks Nicole just to hand him a guitar. It's being very personalized. You know, I did a couple of live streams. I was a little uncomfortable doing a live stream from my home at my Steinway, mainly because it's not the same as when you're actually present in a theater. Do you think it decreases the value of a, 
concert now that you're now that we've kind of exposed ourselves because one of the things I've always thought that is success that makes bands really successful is when they remain a mystery like rush was a big mystery until the internet a lot of bands like you too mystery and you're like i want to know about them but now they're so available to us do you think that hurts this process these live streams you know i honestly don't i i i think you know i (laughs) I I did my first live stream anything that was just by me by myself yesterday. I did basically a live stream symposium for artists, and um and it was so nerve wracking. It was it just incredibly. <laughs> I I don't get nervous for panels. I speak on panels all the time, but on a panel, if I get to a point where I'm not sure what to say, I can go. Wait, <laughs> you know. I, you know, uh, I was all by myself and granted it wasn't a massive crowd, but I had 50 people who were there for an hour with me to hear what my thoughts were on the marketplace right now for artists and things artists ought to be doing. Um, and actually that's, it's archived and shameless plug. You can go to the symphonic distribution Facebook page and it's archived there. If you, if you care to give it a, give it a watch or a listen. But um, I think the insight into people's, quirky personalities is actually really endearing. Um, I, I'm at a point in my life where, you know, an artist being untouchable and being a jerk, which is what most untouchable artists come off as, um, is, is not exciting to me. There's no allure there. Um, you know, I read an article recently that was, that was digging into, um, a number of these live streaming events and, and one that would really caught my eye, Erica Badu recently <clears throat> did a live streaming concert where she moved around from, from room to room in her house. And, and she kind of allowed the audience to choose her next move. Musically. <laughs> and each room sounded different. Choose your own uh, adventure. Well, I mean, the, the the reality is, you know, you know, Kevin Hart is all over TikTok right now. He's not a musician, but Kevin Hart's right. videos on TikTok are hilarious. And what you get to see in those videos is, what I, guilty pleasure of mine is seeing what the inside of people's houses looks like. Um, but beyond that, you get to see his beautiful pregnant wife and his gorgeous family and them even if it's only for the notoriety of it, them doing a silly dance together on TikTok. Um, and, and I'm seeing this at every corner of so-called celebrity. I'm seeing Shaquille O'Neal and his sons do this. Um, you know, Jason Derulo is doing this with, I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend, but hilarious videos. Um, There's, and I, I really like uh, Jimmy Fallon right now with his daughter's, Absolutely. Climbing all over him, it 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 does endear you to him a little bit more. Like this is a regular person. He's a father. He yep. loves his kids, you know. And I I I am with you that I think this streaming it brings us all together, like we all know each other, rather than that untouchable. Because the days of the untouchable recording artist that's done. I yep. really think that's done. And the artists that try to be that way you know, that walk around with about 10 different people. The only reason they're walking around with 10 different people is to draw a crowd. It's a, it's for show. Unless they're writing songs about people that they know want to come out and, and hurt them, you know, 
And so, you know, it's been interesting. And this is not the ideal place to do a live stream. I'm, I'm just at a cabin, you know, in the Smoky Mountains that we've rented for like a month or two. And, you know, every cabin has a has an arcade, which is great because it's got Donkey Kong and I can put a quarter up there just so Tina knows my game is next. <laughs> you know, you can do these with your pajamas yeah. wearing your pajamas. So that's what's that's what's so great about it. And and yet and yet with the live stream of concerts and performances, I went through the headache of trying to figure out how do I get the quality of sound? Well, there's going to be degradation there. I mean, but I think I think your your participants on the other end expect that, you know, it's a little bit like when I was in when I was in publishing you know, at Olay, I, I had an amazing run there with an amazing team of creatives and artists, yourself included. And we, you know, I always commented, I love the writer's rounds. I love to go hear the songs get played by the people who wrote them, not the stars that, 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 that made them. Because to me, there was an authenticity in the cracks in the voice. And in the guitar being a little bit out of tune and in the stopping in the middle of it. Oh, crap. I forgot my lyrics. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was. It, because we've all seen it, you know. Um, right. I, I still I still remember one of my fondest memories was watching Tony Martin at the Station Inn for, for uh, Tin Pan about three years ago. Did, did, a, did, a, did Just to See You Smile, which is one of my all-time favorite country songs and i didn't even realize he'd written it <laughs> it was it was one of those things that that um i believe i i don't believe it came over when he when he came in, in into olay i think it had stayed with his previous publisher um but that song is so legendary and and seeing it performed imperfectly was so perfect and, um, and, and so I think that, you know, I know that as a classical musician, when you go into a studio to record and you're on that Steinway concert grand, you know, with a $10,000 microphone, you know, sitting right over the strings um, and room mics to provide other perspective in the sound, I know that you go in there expecting pure perfection. Um, but you know, in your audience, when they buy that disc or, or, or when they download or stream that expect it to be as perfect as it can be, but the true audio purists are going to say, well, you know, Spotify sucks. Spotify's audio. This isn't up to par. Uh, you know, it's not up to par with what the original source material sounded like. I know it's this. 96 KBS, 128 KBS, 256, you know, it's like Apple lossless, all these well, and formats and and it's diminishing returns on the audio. I mean, you have to. And most people don't own a playback system that could do it any justice, anyways. Right. Um, you know, and I've been part of my part of my being locked down in my house means I've been tinkering with my stereo a lot, and um, and subsequently spending a lot of money on on toys, and and I'm tweaking it and getting it as good as it can be. But the reality is, you're only as good as your source material. So if your source material happens to be an Instagram live feed, yeah, you get what you get, you know? Right. Um, if it happens to be Facebook live, you get what you get. You know, I think, I, you know, there's a couple of apps out there that are collaboration apps that have 
popped up and they become very popular. Um, and those pride themselves on the quality of sound. They they're built around that, but they're also a specialty item that it's, right. you know, it's an iPhone app that costs 20 bucks a month. You know, your average person's not going to go buy that. I was, I was extremely fortunate because as I was going to do this live stream that I have on, it's on my YouTube channel. If people want to watch the live stream performance, the minute I announced I was going to do this, I was fortunate because my, uh, the engineer and my, my producer for my next record, Michael Bishop, who has 20, you know, he's got, he's got 11 Grammys for engineering albums. He, he calls me, he's like, let me make sure I get you the perfect microphones. And can I walk you through how to set it up? I said, I got my iPhone, you know, I'll figure out how to do it. He's like, no, 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 no. So I had John Jennings, the vice president of Royer Labs. He came over and brought me the mixer I need, the microphone I needed. And then I had, and then Michael was on the phone with me for like two hours. Like I, I literally had a two year engineering course in two hours. And then the final result was unbelievable i didn't think i could ever get the sound i got out of that and you know i was just grateful that i had somebody looking out for me and yet the thing i love about like tiktok tiktok it is so crazy but it is so fun and you don't have to be a professional to create something that is meaningful that is purpose driven and obviously tiktok is filled with just nonsense but there is some meaningful stuff on there. I, th I think we go to Instagram. There's like these levels. There's like Facebook is like more meaningful and opinions. Instagram is just more enjoyable of life. But TikTok is just like a circus. And there's so many options on there. Well, it's, How, it's certainly the tip of the cultural spear right now. And, uh, and that's what TikTok is. It's a fun escape. I mean, I, I made the mistake of introducing my wife and kids to TikTok. And obviously, we don't let the kids look at it by themselves because only until up until this week, they didn't have any child settings on TikTok. So there was no telling what kind of content you were going to get coming through the pipe. Um, and they do they do now. They do have the child settings. Just, there's just there's no way I would let my... <laughs> and they probably are doing it anyways. My they've, well, they've, not, they've they've just announced it, and, and it's actually it's very cool. From what I I read this article uh, yesterday about it, and it, it's going to be tied to the parent's account, and the parent has the ability to put screen time limits on, to put content filters on, language filters on, and so now the only problem with content filters and language filters is there's people get around filters and, and, and there will be things I think that sneak past the filter, but it will block the vast majority of questionable content, which I think is pretty cool. Cause I've got some, you know, kids that absolutely love watching the dances and trying to do the dances. And so it'll, it'll democratize that for the younger set so that they're able to participate in it. It's a smart move on their part, but on the monetization side, the monetization there is not great. And um, you know, we as a distributor, found that there was a need for us to be servicing TikTok with music because our, our clients were asking for it. And because it was where, you know, you mentioned earlier that the, the, the goal is the playlist. Um, and that's not the goal. You were wrong. And I, and I didn't want to correct you then. That's not the goal. That's the reward. 
That's, well, that's, that's a good point. It's a very doing, nice reward. It's a reward for doing the right work and having an engaged, rabid fan base that follows you. It's not the goal. The, the goal is financial solvency. You know, the, you know, the goal, you know, the goal is really an engaged fan base because if you have an engaged fan base, you'll never go hungry. You will forever be able to go uh, once this COVID stuff lifts and travel the world and play to various sized rooms and make a living. Um, so, so that's the goal. The goal is the merch table. You know, the goal is not, the goal is not the playlist. The playlist is a tool. It's a tool you use to get that going. So very similarly, TikTok is a tool. And people started seeing that if something bumps on TikTok, there's a slight chance it's going to grow over here at the streaming services. And so, um, you know, it's, it is not quite, it's not quite a straight line. You know, there's items on TikTok that are huge that haven't grown on the, on the streaming services. And, and there's items on the streaming services that are enormous that have never taken on in TikTok because some songs you just can't dance to. You just can't make a quirky thing about, but it's really, yeah. I do think it's, it's important. You know, the industry TikTok is, is going to be just like Facebook was, and is going to be just like YouTube was and all of the other technologies. It's always technology first, catch the legalities up after you're there. Um, because you know, you, if the technology fails and you've already done all the legal paperwork, then you've spent a lot of money and energy in that space. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's the way this world works. The technology, basically the interface between technology and music. Twitch is the same situation. You, you Twitch, you had kids playing video games all day long, you know, playing, you know, you know, their favorite My Morning Jacket record in the background. And, and all of a sudden you've got a claims issue because you have like pseudo ephemeral use you know, the music's playing in the background. It's not the focal point of the audiovisual product, but it is still part of the audiovisual product. And so, um, so technology, like everything else, um, plays catch up. And I think Twi I, I really do think Twitch hired out a music team subsequently, and I think has has, has attempted to right that ship. And and I think they're a great company and they're doing great things. And I I think great things about the team at TikTok. And I I just think we need to see the terms improve. And I think they will. The, the thing we're all trying to figure out, the thing that is the, the secret weapon here, and it's no, no secret because every single person I know who's where in, in my side of the, the, the ball game is trying to figure out is how do you draw direct correlation <clears throat> between money spent on influencers at TikTok, growth at TikTok, and that growth translating into the sale and streaming of music um, because it's a dotted line at best. Um, you know, viral sensations are viral sensations, but how do you, you know, how do you capture that in a recipe musically? That's I think, well, I think basically with this conversation with talk to TikTok, you're pretty much bringing us back to the beginning because you, you, you've said, you know, we're trying to figure this out. How does this work? How does that work? With COVID-19, here we are in the music industry again with another dilemma, another problem that we will get through because the music industry tends to band together oh, and I figure out there. see that band <laughs> together. Paul's you know, got the dad jokes. You know, this is our music city capital 615. Um, and we bring it together, but we're always trying to figure out how to pull through like every business, every company, you know, it's like the oil business right now. That's a mess. And I do like 99 cent gas, but, 
can't really go anywhere. So, you well, know, all these it, companies are changing and we're always trying to figure it out. So just to bring it back. If, if this, if this anything. does anything with regards to music and the power of music, it points to and, and reaffirms that thing that people like you and I who've dealt with catalog sales and transfers know so well is that this is truly a non-correlated asset. Music consumption basically stays flat through every world problem. We just need to exercise patience. Yeah. And I know how difficult this is for everyone. I have a lot of friends who are trying to figure out how to pay their bills. I do feel like we are going to pull through this. People listening to this, you know, because this 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 will be heard a year or two, two, three years from now. You're going to look back and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got through it. We got through it. So, but but Randall, thank you so much for being on All Heart and giving us just such great insight into kind of behind the scenes of the music industry and what some of the problems are and and some of the things that you know we need to be worried about and things we don't need to be worried about and i want to encourage people to go to symphonicdistribution.com to learn more about what they do if you're a recording artist and you need a distribution deal this is a great company to consider just just in closing randall you know, on a personal note, you're there with your your lovely wife, who I love dearly. Your 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 two beautiful girls. What is what is something that you guys, something that you have really learned or benefited from by being home and being with them? I know it gets difficult, you know, homeschooling and always, you know, a full time father at home. How does how are you doing? And what's kind of your takeaway from this? Well, I've learned how to do new math. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really, I, I, I think I, I almost have survivor's guilt and that uh, I'm still working and working hard and all of my colleagues are still working hard and we still have a paycheck and we still have a roof over our heads. And, and, and so we have the ability to, to embrace the beauty in this forced confinement with our loved ones in a way that's different than someone who's out of work right now. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, the time I've gotten to spend with them, the sheer amounts of Lego sets we've built in the last three weeks, um, you know, my wife and I exploring new culinary dishes in the kitchen. Um, you know, I, we're exploring fish currently. We've never been fish people, but, but fish, as it turns out in the middle of a pandemic is one of the only meats that there's plenty of. And, um, wow, and salmon, salmon is easy to come by. And so, and I love salmon and I love it when other people cook it for me, but we've not done it ourselves. And so, you know, I think there are many hidden blessings here, um, you know, just across the board. And I, and I, and to those who are struggling and aren't able to see those blessings, you know, all I have to say on the musical side, if you're an artist, um, if you're a creator, you must create, don't stop. Now more yeah. than ever, you must create. It's it it is it is your calling. It is it is God's will that you make the music you were put here to make, and that you share it. Um, no matter how you do it, whether it's via a live stream or no matter whether you're releasing titles, no matter who's distributing it, this is not a partisan statement from Symphonic. This is a human statement from Randall that creators need to create. If you don't create, you're going to go nuts. And and the reality is there's a captive audience that wants to hear it. 
I think, you know, I think we're going to see the state slowly start coming back to life and we're going to see life get slowly back to normal. And uh, it's going to be a long road ahead, but, you know, start planning that fall tour because I think it's going to happen. It's awesome, Randall. I, you know, I see that, you know, you fixed a lot of bicycles, the Razor scooters, <laughs> the, the Wi-Fi light switches. You've watched the, you've watched the seasons of Lost in Space, Ozark, which is crazy. And I have to be careful how I say this, but shit's Creek. So thank you so much. I know. So thank you so much for being with us on All Heart. I'm your host, Paul Cardall. We'll see you next time. American Songwriter has been a home for songwriters, musicians, and music lovers for over 35 years. And the award-winning pianist, songwriter, and transplant recipient truly believes it is the perfect place for his podcast.